My guest for this episode of the Austin Spotlight is Adam Creighton, the CEO and founder of Enduring Games. Matt and I discuss his early love of comics, specifically Captain America, as well as his early career in acting and in gaming, and how he's turned that passion into a career creating those experiences for others. Hope you enjoyed the episode and would love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast. Good morning, everyone. I hope uh, everyone had a wonderful 4th of July holiday and is hopefully kind of back in the groove of work stuff. I know I'm not really, but uh, hopefully you guys are. Uh, I'm joined today by my guest, uh, Adam Creighton. Uh, Adam, I appreciate you taking the time to to join us. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I kind of saw Adam through, I believe it was like through the Austin Startup Group, one of the Facebook uh, kind of networking groups and um, dug a little deeper and saw that he's got a lot of stuff going on. I'm not sure. As someone who uh, doesn't feel like he has that much stuff going on, I'm sometimes like, oh, we're, how can I get it all in? I, I can't even imagine uh, with you. But uh, why don't you go ahead and, and tell us a little bit about your background origin story, like kind of how you got to Austin and, and some of those things. Because I know most of us are not uh, Austin uh, natives. Right. Right. Yeah. It's uh, so I moved here about uh, to Austin about 24 years ago. Uh, initially joined uh, IBM uh, as I came to Austin. Uh, worked at IBM. Worked in the the startup scene uh, after that, uh, and then moved on and was one of the worldwide technical directors for Visa, the payments company. Uh, I really love pop culture. Really love uh, games, voice acting, uh, anime, and I wanted to be a contributor to that stuff I enjoyed as a as a consumer. So I started out getting into voice acting. That led to on screen and and uh, additional acting. Uh, and then I really wanted to, to contribute even more directly to video games in particular. So I, I moved away from Austin for a couple of years, joined a company called Emergent Game Technologies, uh, makers of the Gamebryo game engine, which is a, a middleware piece of software that lets a lot of people start and build their games. Uh, and that was kind of my start uh, into the, the game industry proper. Then I moved back to Austin to join one of the local Disney studios uh, in Austin, Junction Point. Went from there to a small company called Panic Button and then started my own company, Enduring Games, in 2019. And have been just uh, moving full steam ahead ever since. That's awesome. Uh, in, 20, in 24 years, I mean, that kind of makes you a de facto, you know, original Austinite at, at that point with, uh, <laughs> you know. It depends I'm, if you ask Austinites. It's, sure. Uh, oh, no, no. They, they, yeah, <laughs> sh- sh- we, we won't we'll tell them. But I'm like 16 years and even myself, a lot, you know, I'm usually kind of one of the elder Austin residents in a lot of situations. So 24 years is awesome. Uh, where did your, uh, you mentioned, you know, enjoying pop culture and, and games and those kind of things. Where did that kind of love and joy come from? I'm assuming probably when you're pretty young, but do you make Yeah, 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 really young, actually. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge comic book fan. Uh, uh, I, was a, I was a very early reader uh, and started reading comic books when I was around three. Uh, things like Captain America, uh, Devil Dinosaur, uh, Turok, Son of Stone, uh, and some of those kinds of titles that uh, um, my dad had uh, as I was a kid. And then I moved into video games fairly quickly, too, with the Atari 2600 when that was released. And so that time, uh, both on the comic book side and the video game side, was spent quite a bit with myself uh, and my dad and then my older brother in particular. And so uh, it's just been a part of my life for a, for a really long time. And just uh, it's 
never really stopped. Uh, so it's been a lifetime enjoyment. I think pop culture is such a cool thing because it's a it's a foil in the filter through which we like try to figure out the world and we express the world and we enjoy the world. Uh, and there's just amazing, amazing talent uh, involved in it. And so it started started super young and then just never, never stopped. I still I still weekly uh, uh, have my comic book poll and, and I'm still constantly gaming, even though I run a studio, which is one of the the fun and encouraging things uh, you know they sometimes people there's that truism that if you you make your hobby your job you won't uh, enjoy your hobby anymore uh that's that's the opposite uh for me I, it uh, for me it enriches everything i love the process the contribution the people and um it's fun to put those two worlds together that that work life and that not work life uh, doing the same thing it's the other truism for you, it sounds like, which is, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. Uh, right. Kind of, kind of situation that and obviously the world has come more and more around to your passions. Right. Like obviously sure. in the last decade, 15 years, you know, with comic books becoming, you know, multi billion dollar IPs uh, in movies and games and everything else. Aside from just the comic books, uh, that's probably been a, a nice uh Nice thing for you, and and also been beneficial for you as yeah. you're starting your business and trying to and trying to grow a business too. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating, right? It's the the uh, as I was growing up, the you know video games and comic books and you know Japanese animation and things were very uh, niche, and and people uh, you either found your group that that felt the same way, or you were kind of marginalized as as being the group uh, that that felt that way. And it's it's much more inclusive now. Uh, it's one of the things I like about pop culture, quite honestly. Pop culture tends to be very, very inclusive. It, it wants, uh, the, those audiences want people to enjoy that with us. And over time, it's gotten so big. I mean, video games is a nearly $100 billion a year industry. It's it's just uh, massive. And there's such a neat opportunity, but there's also a lot of nuance. There's your big AAA, um, uh, very expensive, high budget type titles. And then there are these very tiny, amazing one and two person titles that really kind of change the landscape for what we get to enjoy as, as gamers. And then there's everything in between. And and uh, I, I love that uh, comic books have become more mainstream by way of the film because there are people who never would have discovered or known some of that source material without those great expressions of it uh, on screen. I'm a, I'm a big fan of pop culture expressing itself in different mediums. So I, I don't need the comic book and I don't want the comic book to be the same in the movie or in the video game or in the, in the toy. Uh, I think the different expressions are just fantastic and I prefer all of those. Now one of those people, oh, that you know, oh, that's not how the story. That the, like when they translate the book to the movie, oh, well, they didn't do this right or that right or those yeah, yeah. For me, it's about you know what what's the heart of the franchise, what's the heart of the character? Because sure. there, there's there's a good and a bad way to do things. Sometimes uh, there are expressions that will violate what makes that character or that franchise that character or that franchise, and that's that's not a good expression of it. But but you know when they change it, and they can change everything from you know who you would expect the actor to be to the backstory to to modernizing it. For for new audiences and making it more accessible. All of those are great levers for expanding the universe as, a, as opposed to restricting it to a small audience. So I love that stuff. I think it's great. They're amazing, amazing creatives that have done so much uh, with creating expanded universes, whether they're in a single medium or multi-medium. And that's the kind of thing I like to contribute to with what I do uh, with companies like Enduring Games.
Well, that and, and you have so much more, right? Again, so back in this, the, I mean, honestly, back in the 30s and 40s when they first really started going, but uh, as they got bigger, like you were very limited on kind of the production you could do, right? And now the production capabilities are so much more that it would be impossible to kind of keep those right. characters and things confined to what they were in a comic book 40 years ago. Um, yep. And so, you know, I mean, again, it's just kind of that natural ev evolution of that, like the creators, you know, Stanley and any other of those even small creators of stuff would, would want to expand that again, hopefully stay true to their character and origins and, and kind of the philosophy and stuff. But that's kind of just the nature of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really is. I mean, my background is, uh, technical communication, uh, English instructional technology and those kinds of things. And there's there's one of the things that, that, that really stuck with me uh, back when I was doing English Lit, which is, you know, a lifetime ago. Uh, but but that that idea that uh, uh, authorial intent is a lie and, and that that idea is someone creates something, but when they create something really meaningful and really big, it gets it gets bigger than the author. And when that happens, it, it creates opportunities for other people to take that thing and champion it and move it forward and express it in different ways. And so these things need to evolve over time and they need to have different expressions. The, uh, you know, Captain America in the comics is different than Captain America in uh, the films is different than Captain America in um, Square Enix's uh, Marvel's Avengers game. And that's, that's great. As long as they're holding true to all the things that make Captain America, Captain America, uh, it holds, it gets both audiences. It gets the traditional uh, core fan base. It expands it to a brand new audience. Um, it's, it's, it's exciting. And you're right. The tech uh, is, is going leaps and bounds uh, over what it was. So it creates new opportunities for expression. Uh, we, we move away from uh, these, these very limited um, pixel art, limited number of, of uh, bits on the screen. And, and, and now we get to do just very nuanced, uh, photorealistic, uh, stylized. We get all sorts of options in video games uh, and in these different expressions. Sure. I mean, yeah, one of the things that I think of is like Bat Batman, right? Back when uh, Adam West was Batman, right? <laughs> like ver versus when Christian Bale was Batman, like you're able to do so much more. Like you, why would you not and take advantage of all those capabilities versus like, no, we got to stay true to what it was 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. So um, on the video game side of things, like obviously, and I'm not as big into games, although hopefully I'll maybe get, be able to get back into it a little bit since now with the new NIL rules, the Nash, the name, image, and likeness stuff yeah. that my NCAA football can come back, which was kind of always my favorite uh, video yeah. game. Uh, how do you, like, what do you think, or how do you seen kind of pop culture come into those kind of categories? Because in a lot of cases, it seems like, Obviously, the most popular kind of titles and stuff are usually um, create, you know, self-created IPs within the gaming world. Um, you know, Warcraft, Halo, all those kind of things. That way, not that there aren't, you know, comic books and some of those kind of things that get pulled in too. But kind of, how do you see those two things meshing? Yeah, I think it's it's been a real interesting evolution because the the game industry is is evolving. It's evolving very quickly. It's it's following in some ways some parallels to the film industry, and then and then moving faster in some areas and slower in others. Uh, you know, it, it tends to be a very hit driven industry, uh, just like film can be also, and that has positives and negatives. the The positive side of it is it brings a lot more uh, eyeballs to the game industry, and there are titles and franchises that people can point to. They they can look at the the halos the 
Call of Duty uh, and those kinds of titles and those iterative franchises from year to year to year. And that brings in a lot of a lot of new gamers, brings in a lot of franchise fans. Uh, and then you also get to create these new new expressions. Uh, you get to have things like uh, Outriders, which is a, just a, a really fun uh, cooperative title with a whole different story universe. You get to have new expressions of traditional franchises like Ratchet and Clank, uh, which is uh, the newest game is a PlayStation 5 exclusive. And it's just a whole different level of next generation game. Uh, which shows what the hardware can do, which shows what can happen with existing franchises. That's a franchise that has all sorts of things from uh, collectibles to comic books to uh, a major motion picture and then video games. And and then you have a lot of these smaller titles that get created and people gravitate around these for these new intellectual properties or these new franchises that uh, are really exciting because they're kind of under the radar, but they, they they rise above because they're really good quality gameplay or they're amazing, amazing uh, audio soundscapes or soundtracks, or uh, they have a unique mechanic or they're, they're all of those things. So it's fun to see how much the game industry is evolving. And, and uh, one of the things I really enjoy is, is kind of the breakdown of traditional genres you used to have, role-playing games as as rpgs uh and and there were action role-playing games and there were turn-based role-playing games and there are strategic role-playing games and and then you'd have first person shooters and sports titles and now we've just seen such a growth in the success of well-crafted well-thought-out hybrid titles uh you know key examples of that are things like rocket league which is soccer with rocket-powered cars and it does all of those things extremely well. It's fun. It's stylized. It has amazing uh, vehicular physics. It's 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 a it's a genuinely good sports game, and those kinds of things are expanding the the kind of thing that people like. Um, another example is is a lot of games will have a single player story mode, and they'll have multiplayer. And there are people who buy the game just for one or the other. Uh, um, there are people like me that buy it for both, and like to play a lot online socially, and also love narrative driven storytelling, but it it takes care of multiple audiences that way. People who just love that that narrow, um, uh, story-driven narrative, uh, really meaty uh, individual experience can buy it just for that. And those people who really enjoy getting online with friends and being highly competitive and really stretching their skills on that front can do that. And then that, you know, on it as it expands, it goes into the uh, uh, esports league and all of that kinds of things. So there's it's it's becoming more pervasive and more broad. Uh, it's it becomes more expensive for some of those hit driven titles uh, because the the bigger and bigger and the more and more they try to be to everybody uh, the more and more it costs to do that and to socialize it to broader audiences and narrow audiences uh, an exciting kind of uh, example that's kind of well below that is a recent title that we were involved with um, uh, knockout city which is basically a, a hybrid sports game built around dodgeball but it's multiplayer it has all sorts of ladders and tournament system it's got uh, just a bunch of futuristic mechanics and so it kind of does in some ways what rocket league does and is appealing to a bunch of different people people who want to jump in and play it's it's accessible to all sorts of audiences uh, so those people who can't necessarily get into a mature first-person shooter can really enjoy this kind of competitive title. Uh, so the expansion of genres is one of the more exciting things I think I've enjoyed in the industry over the last several years. Yeah, as an, as an outsider, it also seems like there's kind of a almost two, I mean, and there's so many fragmentations within this, but it's all either kind of the quick, what can I do on my phone kind of game to waste 30 seconds or something, you know, a minute and a half while I'm standing in line somewhere. And these 
games that tend to get much deeper, like, hey, I'm going to set aside, not that you have set aside a whole weekend, but you start, you're like, hey, I'm going to set aside an hour. And then four hours later, you're like, yeah, you've gone down the rabbit hole to, you know, whatever, you know, whatever that may be, the sports side of it, the first uh, first uh, player person kind of thing, those, those types of things. And so it's interesting to see how diverse it is. And kind of going back to you talking about when you were young, if you, you know, you're in the comics, that was kind of a, a, a very small subset. I feel like we still have those subsets. It's just, there are just so many more of them. And it's so much easier to cross pollinate and connect that you have people that are like, oh yeah, I really do just like this, but I also like these other things. And so you have people that connect um, where there's commonality and then people, and then kind of get back into their little niches for stuff that's more unique to them. Yeah, I think it's, it's for me, it's exciting because pop culture, um, starts to have different expressions and different channels and people get to enjoy that thing they love in different ways. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm a captain America guy and, and have been since I was, uh, literally since I was three. Uh, and, uh, it, it used to be so hard to find things around captain America. And, uh, but on the flip side of that, Marvel has always been a just amazing licensing type company, uh, which made them, a, in some ways, I would argue, a very good fit when Disney acquired them and added them to the, the Disney family because uh, both of those entities are just amazing on the, the licensed front. And I could get everything from a Captain America action figure to a towel to a, a, a Captain America marble. I literally have, I literally <laughs> have Captain America marbles. Uh, but but it was still, it was a lot of work. And then once the movies hit and things became very accessible to people and it made people aware of the broader opportunity for license and co-marketing and uh, co-production of goods and that kind of thing, there's, there's all sorts of Captain America stuff now. And now that, that, that's, a, that's a more marquee, more visible character now. It wasn't at the time and neither was Iron Man. Uh, Spider-Man was kind of the the crown jewel in a lot of ways and, and Sony popularized that and then uh, has done multiple franchise iterations and, and reboots and opportunities and, and now they're doing it jointly with uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. And that's created some neat opportunities where I can get the thing I like in different places but it's also now, it's really cool, it's moving down, right? There are, there are franchises that are not AAA or, or triple tier uh, in a traditional sense that now we're seeing the light of day and those used to be outliers like uh there, there, there was a movie um mystery men that was very much an independent comic book kind of thing that saw an expression as an independent film that surprised people and they're like well we don't we don't really know what to do this because this, with this because it's not our our mentality of what a, a, a superhero or a comic book is and now we've got all sorts of those things we get netflix punisher tv series we get guardians of the galaxy we get Cosmo, the the Russian cosmonaut dog in Guardians of the Galaxy. We're getting these things that get visibility over time, and that really takes care of fans. Uh, there are people who, you know, they love a character, or they love you know, a set of characters, and and that might be a, a very um, unknown or lesser known character like Deathlock from the Marvel Universe that then shows up in Agents of Shield on ABC Television, and that uh, expansion and elevation is super fun, super exciting because it takes care of people and at the end of the day I, I honestly believe pop culture is kind of a uh, uh, a a contact for people to build community to share like-minded desires and and uh, stories they want to share things that they're struggling with or enjoying or celebrating and and seeing that go across multiple genres raise awareness I, I think is a very good and wholesome thing that takes care of community in a, in a cool way um, I enjoyed a lot yeah. And like I say, the, just the advances of technology to kind of make 
some of those things happen or to allow some of those things to happen, right? It's, it's interesting that Spider-Man 30 years ago was probably the most well-known of the Marvel world without, with my limited knowledge, but right. But now he's maybe the, not that he's not that well-known, but you know, I feel like there's a lot of other characters that have surpassed him in pop culture, popularity and stuff and from that standpoint and so uh that and then having again all these different platforms so disney having disney plus you know all these different ott platforms that need content it's like oh well let's take a subset of this one story and just evolve that character evolve black widow again guardians of the galaxy like i saw that in theaters which I don't go to theaters all that often as, but it was kind of a one-off because the movie we wanted to see had already been sold out. And we're like, okay, fine. And the, the theater guy actually said, hey, you know what? I, you'll love it. I'll even let you go for free. Like, okay, because it was my friend's birthday. So we kind of kind of got in and it was awesome. Yep. Like, right? Like, I mean, it's just one of those movies that now you quote all kinds of stuff from. And so it's just, but, but you wouldn't, I think you wouldn't have had some of those subsets. Um, and again, these are obviously still pretty large, and that side of things, but some of the subsets, if you didn't have all these other platforms and all these other capabilities versus, hey, we just have studios that have to make multi-million dollar pictures that have to perform really well, otherwise they're in trouble um, that way. Yeah, I, I think it's it's uh, it's been fascinating to watch how things grow over time. I'm a huge uh, James Gunn fan, and to, to see him be given that opportunity to do a film of the scope and scale of Guardians, uh, where, where he's uh, previously known for things like Troma and Slither and, and some other smaller budget excellent uh, films, but very different from taking on a Marvel Cinematic Universe title. Uh, at, at a time where the Marvel Cinematic Universe, people understood inside and outside the industry what that was and the opportunity and how huge it was and, and was going to become. And that kind of creative risk-taking from uh, license holders, I think is a very good and a very healthy thing. And we've seen other expressions of it too. One of the best superhero games uh, is the Marvel Spider-Man on PlayStation. Uh, both the, the the first title that they did a few years ago and then the uh, Miles Morales uh, Spider-Man that they did for PlayStation 5. Uh, and uh, it, it's such a, a phenomenal opportunity to take things that are successful and make them more successful or take things that are lesser known and raise their visibility and express them in a different way. Uh, we've had two Guardians of the Galaxy films. We're going to have a, another one uh, coming up. And now they, they announced over the summer that there's a Guardians of the Galaxy uh, video game that is its own thing. And it's separate from the movies and it's separate from the comics, but it builds on both of those things. And that comes out in October. And then, then we're going to have a Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Christmas special uh, on Disney Plus. So there's just all these expressions and these opportunities for people to get involved in different mediums in different way. Looking at Guardians of the Galaxy as an example, you know, James Gunn is doing the films, but he's also doing the uh, the holiday special. Um, and this is this is not new, but it's becoming much more common. Creatives and big people in the industry get to play in different sandboxes. In a quality way. I mean, even uh, uh, Richard Donner, uh, uh, who who passed away yesterday, uh, who's known for uh, the Superman films and, and uh, a whole bunch of uh, uh, other things, including Lady Hawk, which is one of my favorite films ever. Uh, but he he got involved with comics and in with action comics with Jeff Johns in the '90s and got to be heavily involved in that creative process on the comic book side, even though he's on the film director and production side of things. Uh, and that cross-pollination is becoming much more common in the video game industry now. There's a lot more involvement from uh, AAA film studios. You've got 
uh, tech like the Unreal Engine, which is another piece of just amazing middleware and calling it middleware seems like a disservice, but it, it's a, it's one of the, the de facto game engines in the industry, but that's being used for shooting things like the, the Mandalorian uh, television series for Disney Plus. And it enabled a whole bunch of things, not just technology wise, but process wise during a pandemic as everybody was doing things distributed and uh, needed to find new ways to implement high quality content. And so, you know, you have a, a thing like Unreal Engine that's being used not just for games and AAA games, but little independent games being used for high profile series like uh, The Mandalorian being used by auto manufacturers for pre-visualization and for consumers to look at what their car would look like that they're buying off the assembly line is just a fascinating overlap of the the tech and process tools and IP across different vertical markets. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, you have, you've been um, done both voice and on-screen acting as well too. Kind of what brought you into that world or what made you kind of interested in, in that? Yeah. Well, initially it was, um, it was that same thing as, just earlier as as video games where i wanted to contribute to things not just be a consumer and so i i started to look at what it would take to get involved in voice acting because i'm a big animation fan a big japanese animation fan and i wanted to uh, be a part of that world and and give back to the thing that i was uh i was watching and enjoying uh so i met with uh, a uh a producer and and voice director in Austin. Uh, she was really good about kind of laying out the progression for getting into voice acting as far as getting trained, getting good, getting work, getting an actor, uh, getting an agent, and then getting paid in that progression. So I started that in uh, 2001 and started that work. And I've been doing professional acting since. Uh, as I was doing that voice work, uh, people would ask me to start doing commercials or some television work or some film work or, or that kind of thing. Uh, I did some things like Friday Night Lights uh, when it was filming in, in Austin. I've, I've done small independent films. Uh, and then that leads into other things where people look at me and say, you're, you're, you're kind of not embarrassing when you talk. Can you MC this event? Can you, can you host this other thing? Um, and, and I enjoy doing that because it helps people. I actually, actually am not a, a a, I'm an introvert. I'm, I'm actually a, an outgoing introvert because introvert and extrovert is how people recharge. Exactly. Uh, and, yeah. and I can do really well with talking to people and I can do giant groups and all this kind of thing. But I, I recharge with one and at most six people. Okay. Uh, and uh, that's just my personality. But I, I'm totally willing to do large um, events. I do like the energy of large events and large crowds. Uh, but I also, I can, I can put aside my personal, I don't want to be in large crowds and, and I, I'd rather be with fewer people because it helps people. And so I'm willing to, to do all sorts of things to help people out from emceeing to filming to doing voice work. But the, the voice work is just, it's something that started and led into kind of everything else. Because even before I got into the games industry proper, I was auditioning and doing projects for video games just constantly. And so I was talking to people in the game industry. I was meeting with everyone from audio directors to producers on games. Uh, a lot of the work even that we're doing now, I, I met some of those people when I was doing voice work in the early 2000s. Uh, and that's that's kind of, for me, that's one of the really important things about independent of what industry or what job anybody has. It's all about relationships uh, and not you know, what can they do for me, but what can we do together? And when it's not the right time, it's not the right time, but I stay in touch and we constantly talk and we share and we celebrate. And then, you know, 18 years later, when we do something together, it's really fun. It's really sure. neat that we, we get to share that thing because it's the right time to do uh, at the right time. Uh, 
that's that's something I'd really encourage people to do. It really is about the relationship side of things. It's a, uh, I think sometimes networking gets boiled down to how do we make contact with people so that they can do stuff for me. Uh, I mean, I literally had um, every once in a while I, I will post, I will sanitize, but I will post uh, LinkedIn <laughs> requests to me. And and one I had last week just cracked me up because they 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 sent me a thing and said we looked at your profile and uh, you're you're doing a whole bunch of uh, interesting stuff. And I'm reaching out to connect because I figure, uh, why not? And I'm like, I feel special. Like, I feel <laughs> feel really pretty right now. Um, but those people who reach out to me and say, hey, uh, I really need some help in this area. I've got this, this blind spot for some business development skills. Um, but I also have some licensing background. And you've voiced publicly that you'd like more help learning about the licensing side of things. And I wonder if we could get together and I can share some of my licensing knowledge and expertise. And you could help me a little bit with the business development side of things. Uh, that that's a good positive transactional type relationship. And then it grows from there. It's really fun. There's so many times where I will, someone will say, Hey, can you meet me for a beer or for a coffee right now? Cause I'd like to just pick your brain about something. And wherever I can, I, I jump in and I do that because I really want to help people. Uh, I get, I get dinged a little bit by some of the people in my circles because, um, it, it costs, right? It takes time. Uh, it takes away from other stuff. And and when people are super busy, there's always more to do. But for me, I appreciate the people who took the time when they didn't know who I was. And they they met me for coffee. They met me for beer and and helped get me into the industry. My, my uh, development director right now at the studio, 16 or 17 years ago, he just met one evening and we sat out on a park bench and he'd been in the industry already at that point for 14 years and he just kind of explained how things worked and and opportunities and things to be aware of and things to watch out for and and uh some particular fits for my personality and then we fast forward 16 years and and he's my development director and we're still learning from each other uh and i i really enjoy that's the first time we've worked together we've known each other for 18 years i think uh but this is the first time we've worked together and we we still learn from each other but it's because he took the time he took the time to sit down on a park bench uh late at night uh, and give up time from his family to just answer some of my questions and give some feedback and some constructive criticism uh that that's great networking uh, as far as i'm concerned doesn't scale really well it's very point to point uh but uh, i really encourage people to look for that kind of thing and those people who are willing to to invest in people that way but like you say, as an introvert, which um, I think I'd be, again, I'm, I'm definitely not as good in large groups as you would be having not had that practice, but I do don't mind it um, as some, you know, some people are just terrified of it, but definitely, you know, you get that energy from being, you know, being by myself or smaller groups. Like I, I think some of that one-to-one -one networking helps with that too, because it really does like for me, being able to help someone actually kind of recharges for when I'm doing the stuff that I need to do for my business, which isn't always as fun with the, you know, if you're having a cold call or do marketing or doing all the other kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, the saying, if you help enough people get what they want, get what you want, um, I think is also kind of true there that if it's, it's, uh, it's always a good, in my opinion, a good idea to, to do the right thing and be helpful. And, and it will usually pay off um, in the end, it's just that too many people expect it to pay off in the very, very short term. And right. it's usually not how that's going to work. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it's a really good point, Troy, because like the reality of it is, is it takes a lot of time and investment before things come to fruition. And uh, sure, I, I would like things to work out instantly, um, but that's not how things work. Uh, and it definitely, if I had that mentality or that requirement of relationships or anything I do, I, I, 
I would not be a fit for running a business or a startup or honestly the game industry as, as a as a vertical market. Uh, I, I think the the investing in people and then staying with it because it's it's kind of a truism, right? But it, it playing the long game is really important because it. it I have this bias that says people grow uh, and they're either moving forward or backwards. As as human beings, we don't get the opportunity to stay stuck. Uh, that, that we're either getting better or we're getting worse. And it takes a lot, a lot of work to not get worse. And it takes even more work to actually get better and improve. And one of the really fun things that I like is staying connected with people over, you know, months and years and decades and watching them grow and still be that person that I really like, uh, and they're more of that person, but they're also a different person as they grow those skills. It's a, yeah, I, I as a, as a as a high school or college student would not be qualified to do anything near what I'm doing now in my personal or professional life, but I'm 24 years past that, and so now I get to do other things. And as part of that responsibility, I try to do some of those things with and for uh, other other people, and and some of that is. You know the mentorship side of things. Some of that's taking the time to to answer answer questions. Some of it is just really investing in the the community side of things. We do a lot where we 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 invest in things like uh, girls who code and uh, Operation Supply Drop, which takes care of our our veterans uh, by way of a, a video game uh, themed uh, event and and uh, um, tactical practice. Uh, we we take care of emergent needs. Uh, you know things like whether there are ice storms in Austin or or hurricanes in, in uh, Louisiana or in Florida. Uh, and we, we take care of people who have had less opportunity than we have had uh, to get into the industry or to get a job or to be able to get from point A to point B because of a lack of tra public transportation. And those are things that, that are part of that networking and community building. Uh, and it, and it, it, it takes a, it takes a lot. And, and I, I really enjoy the people who do that kind of stuff because they want to, and they have a passion for it. There are people who do it because it's a it's a it's a positive marketing bullet or a positive PR point, and that can be frustrating for some people. But if people are getting helped, people are getting helped, and so I'm 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 glad at least if people are being Machiavellian about it, at least people are still getting helped. And that's you know you were talking about the uh, the the networking side of things. I, I, for me, even if I was being totally selfish, it would make sense for me to want to take care of other people so that I could get what I want later. The fact that I'm not being exploitive and want to try to elevate people, even if it doesn't benefit me, uh, is super important. We work with studios just like any industry, but the game industry tends to be a little more um, turbulent. Uh, studios or businesses can go in and out of business on a, on a regular basis, and that affects tons of people's lives. And we have a stated mission where we will get a hold of people uh, and we will try to find them jobs. And even if it's not with us, uh, we will connect them with other companies. We'll connect them with other studios or publishers or, or opportunities, or we'll find ways to equip them. Some people want to start their own company when these kind of things happen. And they'll meet with me and they'll say, hey, Adam, the thing I want to start kind of competes with you. And so I totally get if you don't want to give me feedback. And I'm like, totally want to give you feedback. I'd like to save you all sorts of pain from what I figured out over time. And it's not about doing the same thing. It's about the differentiation and about the execution. And that's a fun, I, I welcome and love competition because we see this in any industry, but everybody at the same time can be a customer, a competitor, uh, a client, uh, all at the same time. And it's just about context. And we don't dismiss a person because they happen to be a competitor when they're also a client or also a customer. It's, I want to take care of people and grow the bigger game industry, uh, make it healthier. I want to get past some of the negative sides of the game industry that are earned reputation uh, things. And I want to make 
all of us better as individuals because of it. It it reminds me a lot of as a realtor, which is what my primary job is, when realtors will get, you know, kind of upset with each other about a listing appointment that you have to go on. And, and right in, in a pitch, in a listing appointment, yes, you are competing with other agents and stuff at that point in time. But the, the people who get upset about, oh, you stole, you know, this should have been my business or whatever. It's like in Austin, there was something like $26 billion worth of homes sold in 2020. And that's just, so now you double that because there's a buyer and a seller. And like if you, there's more than enough business out there for you to have business and everyone else to have business too. And so it's kind of a similar mindset of like, there's a lot of business out there and, and having one other company isn't, if that's going to make or break you, you're probably going to be broke anyway. Yeah. I think it's a really, that, that's an important point because uh, I, I think, because there's, there's competition, which I think is good and healthy and and uh, productive. There's there's a, there's a negative anti-competitive version of that, and then there's the the territorialism, which uh, really really doesn't work that well uh, because you want to find the right people to work together, and especially in something like real estate, where it is so much about uh, your personality and the personality of your clients and the interactions of everybody working together, because there's all these moving pieces and they all need to be able to work together and get along. And the better that that works, the better that works. And I, and I think that's a very positive, healthy thing when you have a very competitive market, uh, like Austin on the real estate side of things. Uh, it's, it's even more important, I think, to be more collaborative because if somebody's not getting taken care of, you want to make sure they're taken care of. And I'm, we do the same thing on the video game side. I'm happy to to help people. We we have uh, people that will come to us because we're just inundated all the time with with projects. The video game industry is so hopping and hot right now. The pandemic kind of accelerated a whole bunch of awareness and opportunity and and chances for people to stay connected when they couldn't get together. That there's this big explosion of work and opportunities. And if we're not a fit for something, because we're and, and part of it is we're we have certain criteria for what makes a successful project unique to us. But even separate from that, from an availability perspective, if we're not available, I'm, I'm, I want to take care of those people who thought enough to come sure. to us and ask for help. And I will do introductions that are people that I'm comfortable with or studios I'm comfortable with. I will uh, I'll, I'll do the, the matchmaking for people. And there's there's nothing I gain from that. Uh, and I don't even do it for a maybe down the road they'll owe me. It It's taking care of people. If somebody's got a desperate need to take care of something and we're not a fit for it, I still want their need met because that that helps the industry. It brings stuff to fans. I, I can't be a part of of everything in the game industry. It's the downside of being honestly such a uh, a pop culture fan of so many different things. Like I don't have the game or the IP that I want to be a part of. I've got like dozens and dozens and dozens. And uh, I've got to be, I, I've had the chance to be some part of some of the things that I just love and really enjoy. And then some things have passed me by for all the right reasons. And that's, it's disappointing, but it's totally fine because I've got another thing I'm really excited about that I'm going to go do. And I just chase those things too. Um, I'm very focused about it. I'm not, um, I'm not open to doing anything pop culture. And, and there are certain criteria that I want and certain audiences I want to meet and certain goals I have for different platforms and partners and, and game audiences. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of room to play within that, that I really enjoy. Yeah. It's awesome. So enduring games, which yep. is your um, main uh, company and focus uh, these days. Uh, how long ago did you start that? So I started that uh, formally. We launched July 1st, uh, 2019. So we just had our two-year uh, anniversary uh, last week, which was really fun, really exciting. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been something else because it's a, it was basically started as a startup uh, and uh, but a, 
a focused uh, company on a few different areas. One is partnership development, uh, another is digital distribution, and then creating original IP. And those are kind of our three areas. But we started the company based on values first. And so really we started with the idea of, instead of going into what people do we have available? What kind of things can we do? How do we turn that into a business? It, we started with, okay, what matters? And what matters is actually all the stuff that, that we've been talking about. Uh, we started with the idea that, that people of character matter. And if you can do things with people of character where you can build trust and people are contributing and helping each other and lifting each other up, you get more done. The other value that we had was everything is a everything's a product, uh, and that means uh, not just that everything's a product in a traditional sense, but there's an audience, and we should know who that audience is, and we should be talking to them, and we should be listening to them, uh, getting that feedback. But also, we should know how does that product get to them? How do we make that easier to get to them? How do we socialize that in advance and after and and everything else? Uh, and then uh, we have some additional values, including taking care of the community, which which we've talked about. But we started with all of that stuff. And then by building that, I was able to find people who wanted those same things. Uh, then we looked at with with what people were able to bring to the table and what we wanted to accomplish in the game industry. We created these three lanes of business and opportunities. Uh, and it attracts people that want that same kind of thing, because just like any industry uh, anywhere, but especially in Austin, the video game industry is extremely competitive for for talent, and there are people who who are. Uh, oh, see how much I want to go into this, but I, I have a bias that says both people wise and company wise, uh, because companies are are people. Um, companies are just containers for people. So when people sure. say you know a company is a good company or a bad company, it, it it's not right. It's it's the actions of the people inside of it. But I have a bias that says as far as companies and people go, there are there are three kinds. There are um, money motivated, there are lifestyle oriented, and there are aspirational. Uh, the 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 money motivated will do anything to turn a buck, and they will they'll exploit friends or colleagues or employees or anything else uh, to bring in more dollars. Uh, it, it's a very um, uh, abusive, transient uh, kind of negative kind of situation in the extreme examples, uh, and and not healthy if they're focusing on on the dollar at the expense of of everything else. And and that expresses itself in in looking for talent because some people they'll go to the next place that will pay them more, and they'll be there until they find another place that pays them more, and then they'll go to another place that pays them more. And it's a great way to bump your salary a whole bunch and get paid more, but also not deliver anything. Lifestyle companies and people want to work on the things they want to work on on their terms and that's that's great uh when it happens when it doesn't then you're scrambling for your next project your next gig you're trying to find the relationships you're miserable because uh, you haven't continuously built those skills uh and then the aspirational side of and i, I by the way i believe uh, there, there can't be uh, lifestyle companies or people. I think that's a that's a pipe dream, uh, but that's my bias. Uh, <laughs> and then there are um, aspirational companies who want to do good things and they want to change the things they touch. And a lot of times you'll see that in um, pro bono or or uh, um, charitable type causes or, or those kinds of things where people do some really neat things on the uh, the aspirational side of things. I wanted our company to be an aspirational money-making company where we run a very strong business based on values, where we look for ways to knock things out of the park. And the projects we work on constantly shock people. And, they, and I love that our partners will champion us pub publicly and say, you know, we're, we're so grateful these folks were part of it because we couldn't have done this with without them. Uh, and that's that's not to 
to be a commercial for enduring. It's really an endorsement of, of my folks and the work that they do and how much they they give at the same time that we work really hard to have a high quality of life, make sure that we're not falling into the traps or stereotypes or bad planning that's kind of stereotypical of the the game industry. Uh, and, and we're not the only ones. There are other companies that are doing this. There's only a, there's only a handful uh, in our, our kind of area or lane of um, of the game industry. There are literally around 880 companies that do what we do uh, around the world. The ones that do it at our level that are more center of excellence rather than body shop are there's there's like eight of us. Uh, and and people know that in the industry. And so we treat that really seriously because you, you can't just say you're a top tier studio and then suddenly you are. So you, so we have to <laughs> we have to do the work. We have to constantly remind each other, hey, how does this project that we're looking at, how does it take care of our people? How does it take care of our values? How does it take care of our, our clients? What are we able to do with this that elevates gamers and elevates the game industry and uh, takes care of people in a very positive way? So it's in some ways it's exhausting uh, running a company this way because it's a lot more uh, intentional and it requires everybody involved to be a lot more intentional. But on the hiring front, people who want that kind of thing, they gravitate toward us. They, they look at us uh, and instead of going to, big company XYZ that's going to pay them a lot. Uh, and we, we pay very, very, very well. Um, we just live in a market sure. right now in Austin where there are companies that are paying two and a half times market, which is, sure. that would be irresponsible for me to do. Um, but we get some really great talent for people who are like, you know what, Adam, I want to make yeah. something. I want to make something special. Uh, I want to, I want to be part of a legacy. And I, I, I want to do that at the place that values that and is going to empower me to do that. Um, which is actually a very Austin thing, to be honest, that that's part of our culture as a city, uh, despite all of the growth and how things uh, change. One of the things that stays the same is the incredible uh, support community wise, whether it's the startup community or the small business community or the real estate community or the, the uh, charitable cause community. There's some really neat stuff that's happening in Austin that makes it very logical uh, mecca for a lot of these things. There's a reason why companies are moving here. Uh, it used to be because it's the Austin's cool, keep Austin weird, and, and we like that. But people gravitate toward other things when they want to live and move somewhere, uh, that, kind of that longevity and that that relationship. Uh, Austin's got a lot of that still. I really believe that. No, I, I would agree. Having those kind of aspirational um goals or mindset for your business too like you mentioned also not only will it draw those people in but also then i would imagine has to help with re retention and yep. employee longevity and stuff too which is something that i think a lot of not necessarily a lot of businesses but especially as businesses go public and now they're really reviewed on a 90-day you know quarterly basis um and things tend to not go off the rails, but tend to be so much more money focused. Like that's something that sometimes gets overlooked. That really is, I think, the lifeblood a lot of a lot of these companies that do eventually get big is the employees and the retention right. and the the growth that they can have together. Uh, versus, um, you know, again, the turnstile of, that some businesses are um, because of you know their philosophies. Yeah, and and for me, it's a. Um... Uh, it's an important responsibility because I want to make, going back to what I said earlier about people moving forward or backward, I, I really want to make people better. When I started Enduring Games, I was actually, prior to starting Enduring Games, I was meeting with some partners and clients and just kind of feeling out, you know, does this make sense? Would you would you be interested in me doing this? What what would you want to see? And uh, I was meeting with one of our, our, our my long-term uh, platform partners that I think I met, gosh, I don't know, 16 or 18 years ago. 
And uh, he said, hey, Adam, what, what do you do uh, uh, that's unique to you? And uh, I said, well, I, I make great products for your platform. And, and I'm, it's a credit to his professionalism. He didn't laugh at me. Uh, and uh, his response was, uh, you do. that. We just take that as a given. He said, but what do you do that's unique to you? And the way he asked it really made me stop and realize there was something else being asked there. And I said, well, you know, what I uniquely do is I, I invest in and I build people. And by building those people, I build teams. And by building those teams, we're able to do high quality products that are more than teams our size have any any right to do. And his response was, yeah, that's that's exactly what you do. So whatever you do, go and, and do that. So as we bring people into Enduring Games, ideally, uh, I, I help people grow and they become better people and, and more skilled professionals. And again, ideally, they would keep doing that with me. But my goal is even if they spend a month with me or 10 years with me, if they have to make a change because they've got life changes or different goals or something happens with family and they've got to relocate, I want them to be better because they did a rotation with me. And I think that investment in people is, is what makes a company something that people want to be a part of, uh, whether it's to work at or invest in or go public with or any of that kind of thing. It really is about the the, the people because the, the company is just a container. Uh, it's, it's a shell for the good stuff that's happening inside of it. And that, that, that takes a lot of work. I'm happy sure. to do the work. Um, <laughs> and then for some people, that's, that's not a thing. I mean, we've had some people who have self-select out because they're like, well, that's a, that's a lot of pressure to always be making sure we care about what we do. And, and, and I should be careful how I say this because I don't mean it in a negative way. I just think sure. some people are in different places. But for some people, they, they don't want a whole bunch of stuff on, on top of doing a job. During our yeah. interview process, one of the things I say is, you know, like, we are not – the place for your next gig. We're, yeah. we're, we're the place for the next stage in your career. And if you want that, uh, we, we've got so many things we want to do and invest in and grow you with for that next neat stage. We have people who leapfrog as they join us and not just this company, but my last several companies, because that investing in people and, and doing the work to grow people uh, and those relationships, because then people can move on and it's no harm, no foul. And we get to do more later. Uh, some of the people I have working for me now, this is the third time I've hired them. And, uh, and and they still go through the regular interview process and they still have to meet all the criteria and everybody who's in the studio has to be on board with that. But I, I love that people three times in a row say, yeah, I want to, Adam, is there a space for me again? Like, I'd really like to, to be with you. Um, that's not anything special not on me. I think it's just it, taking care of people and building relationships and creating opportunities and then putting stuff around it so it, it has teeth, right? Because sure, it's one thing yeah. to say, I want people to be better. Uh, it's, it's another thing to take the time to uh, mentor and spend time with, you know, girls who code and all that kind of thing to do that work to take care of people. Sure. Are there any um, fun projects that Enduring Games has on the, or either maybe has just released or on the uh, near horizon that you'd like to uh, yeah, we've got some interesting stuff uh, that we've done recently. We, uh, Borderlands 3, Borderlands is a big franchise with uh, Gearbox, which is out of um, uh, Frisco, Texas, outside of Dallas, uh, here in Texas. And we got to be a key part of their cross-platform play, which is, is a new trend, relatively new trend, that's just exploding in the game industry, where what that means is I can play on, on my uh, Xbox, but I can also play with friends on the Epic uh, Game Store or on uh, the Steam Store. And I get to play with people independent of what platform they're on. And we did a lot of the the, the hard work from a technical perspective, but also from a compliance and from a product and from working with a first party perspective. So doing that work was really fun because as, as a company, 
we want to bring games to people where they are uh, with what they have with them. And cross-platform play enables that. Uh, prior to that, we had Knockout City, which is the game I mentioned that's this hybrid sports title that is uh, um, uh, dodgeball-based. Really recommend people check it out. They've done a really cool thing where you can play it for free uh, up to like level 25. So you can get a whole bunch of time without any skin in the game to realize how much you like it and then be able to move forward and, and do a whole bunch of other stuff with the game. Uh, for We recently had new consoles launch at, at the end of last year with the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X. And we were part of uh, Demon Souls uh, and a, a title called Godfall for the PlayStation 5, which is just exciting and, and phenomenal for me. When you talk about franchises and things we love, Demon Souls and the, the whole souls franchise is a genre it, it created a genre of games uh over the last several years and and now you have these quote-unquote souls like games that are a subgenre of, of role-playing game that i really enjoy uh it's also because of pandemic impacts and, and things like that we had challenges of working remotely people who were making games for the new console launches there were fewer uh, quote unquote console exclusives, and really the, the only two were were Godfall and Demon Souls, and my team got to be the the company that was involved with both of those, uh, and that's a really really exciting thing from a from a a rewarding perspective for my team members, uh, mm -hmm. and kind of a, a um, something they can be very very proud of uh, to contributing. We've got some other stuff we might we uh, we might announce something this month. Come to think of it. Um, <laughs> And then we'll have some some stuff this year and and next. Uh, we 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 our our the stuff we do is kind of interesting because a lot of what we do we do in partnership with external clients, and so we work with them on their timing for announcing things. The number one thing I get I get beat up on on social media is people want us to talk about the projects we're working on next. We've got a my team has a very good reputation with things like the Nintendo Switch platform, so a lot of people want to know what, what what what's your team working on for that platform. But for all the things we work on, we work with our partners. We're going to do some neat announcements this summer uh and then we'll have some product that will very much surprise people uh i i really like to do things that make people stop and say what uh followed by oh of course that makes perfect sense uh and we have a couple things in the works that i think are going to fit that to a t that i'm looking forward to nice well so where would be the best place for people to find out about like to stay in touch so that way they can find out when you know when those things um hit yeah, yeah. So there's there's a few ways to get uh, a hold of uh, us as Enduring Games and then me personally. On the Enduring Games front, our, our website is enduring.games. Uh, and that's that's the best way to reach us on, on that front. And then we also have a Twitter handle, uh, Enduring Games. Uh, and you can get to that from the website also. For me, uh, the best way to reach me is by way of LinkedIn. Uh, so that's uh, it's uh, Adam Creighton. Uh, and then uh, on Twitter, where I'm at uh, Adam Cray, and those are those are really the best ways to reach us on the uh, enduring games front and on the personal front. We can get you sorted in all sorts of ways. On the enduring game side of things, uh, we have a a history wall that kind of shows all of the games my team has worked on, uh, both at enduring games but also previously, and just that. 30 years of history that the, the team works on, but it's also where we do some news items uh, and list some items that we're working on. It's where we post all of our, our open positions and jobs, which uh, can give people a little bit of a hint of, of some of the kinds of things that uh, we will be working on and, and are working on. Uh, and then on my personal side of things, on the LinkedIn side, I tend to focus much more on uh, business development type posts, mentoring, uh, answering questions for folks. Uh, and then on the 
the Twitter side of things, I tend to be kind of all over the place. It's a combination of my celebration of pop culture, the things I'm excited about and doing as the owner and, and studio head for Enduring Games, uh, some of my opportunities and frustrations and how we can fix things at a, at a local level, uh, at the city level, to opportunities for taking care of uh, Girls Who Code or um, uh, Non-Pareil Institute, uh, Austin, which which has some tremendous programs for um, broad spectrum um, autism folks in the workplace and workforce for mentorship and, and uh, interviewing. Uh, so we, we that one's kind of all over the place, but hopefully it's, it's even though it's noisy, it's, it's productive for, for people. Cool. Uh, most are probably the best ways. What's yeah, that? A little, more, little more stream of conscious, but yeah, again, yeah. I think it's, it's one of those things that are, it's interesting to see different founders and CEOs and executives and all kinds of people um, when, when their content isn't just super focused to see some of the different sides of, of people and, and what's uh, of interest to them. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's, it's kind of why I enjoy a lot of your, your content too. And, and uh, I was so glad that we connected on, on Facebook and then, and then, um, a mutual acquaintance of ours, Paul O'Brien, and I had, had talked about it. Also, it's the the content that you bring and the way that you touch, you know, not just real estate. And mm -hmm. I, when I say just real estate, it's there's so much there by itself. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But yeah. All the other things that you do over the course of 14 years, it, I mean, that's that's how we we build what we do, right? It's how we make our individual. Um, uh, networks really rich for uh, each other and for our particular clients and, and customers. It's the way that we broaden those things uh, and and give people opportunities uh, and how we grow uh, an Austin community. It, it's pretty it's pretty exciting. It, it's it's fun. The uh, yeah, you talk about the stream of consciousness side and knowing what a CEO or a founder does. It's a uh, it's all over the place, right? I mean, we, we're all. I, I think to, to some degree, human beings are just by nature entrepreneurial. Uh, and then there's a subset of us that make this arguably bad decision to, to do something <laughs> with it from a commercial standpoint. Uh, and then those that group of people is really different, right? You know, I, I, even this uh, Austin Spotlight as an example, you know, think of how many real estate folks or people engaged in the real estate industry that don't do this kind of thing. And the thing you do, you know, at the, at the, at the top of this, you, you had said, um, you know, you don't, do a lot compared to what I do. I, and I disagree. I, I, I was looking at the things you do. And this thing in particular is such a tremendous service. There's there's so many people and opportunities and uh, viewpoints that I've been able to get out of your series that is just fun and exciting and, and uh, elevating. Um, I'm a weird founder and, and uh, uh, studio head in that I'm, I'm involved at the top level, but I'm involved in, in the weeds uh, because I really believe that when people know top to bottom their their industry and their company they can contribute more and it also avoids the being disconnected and and not you know ha having values at the top and then not knowing that people don't believe in the values or that people are struggling with them or things like that so by constantly going from top to bottom on a i was gonna say day-to-day -day basis but probably moment to moment basis um uh i'm able to to be a little hopefully more engaged version of a, yeah. of, a of a leader uh, i'm a I'm a big servant leadership fan. I would rather do stuff for people and uh, lead that way than I would lead by fiat or or fear or anything like that. And and uh, that sounded very dismissive of other leadership styles. I didn't mean that at all. I didn't mean to be. A... <laughs> then lead behind the iron curtain. Right. <laughs> be Oz and be you know, doing your stuff back there. Oh, if only I had that power. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Well, Adam, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to connect and uh, do the podcast today. It was it's been great to get to know you better and hear some of the stories because I think that uh, again, one of the reasons that I love doing this is because there's just so much more behind the companies and the people that do the companies. We're so you know 
you get so used to, oh, this is what I do for my business. But, you know, again, the people behind the businesses and uh, the companies, I think, really make it make those things unique and kind of part of what makes Austin unique as well. I really appreciate you having me. It's a, it's a really generous thing uh, for you to invite me to this. I love what you're doing uh, here. I, I think it's a tremendous service, like I said, for Austin. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to to talk a little bit about uh, my journey, and hopefully that's encouraging for for other people too. That it's a it is a journey, we, we, and we get to make a bunch of changes uh, throughout. Where I am now is not where I thought I'd be five years ago, ten years ago, twenty five years ago, and it's it's a it's a fun thing to be able to to share and also to champion things like Austin and uh, and the stuff that you're doing. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks everyone for uh, taking the time to listen, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, y'all.